Hey everyone, welcome back to Stars Like Us. I am your host, Lisa Kelly, and I am so thrilled to introduce who may be our first Taurus guest. <gasps> I don't want to, I'm not 100% sure. I'm going to take the title anyway. Take it and run with it. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> Whatever to. it means to you. I am here with the actress, with the comedian, with the host of the amazing podcast, Health is Hell, Allie Weiss. Hello everyone, honored to be here. I'm going to let you all know I know nothing about horoscopes aside from the fact that I am a Taurus, which means I'm like a bull in a china shop, but I'm hoping that I will get severely enlightened today. I can't promise anything. Okay, so like moderately enlightened, mildly yeah. enlightened. Yeah. A touch of enlightenment. T- uh, yeah, just light enlightenment. Light enlightenment. <laughs> L-I-T-E. Light. Yeah, enlightenment. yeah, yeah. Enlightenment light, TM. <laughs> Off well, we go. I also happen to know that you are a cancer rising with the Capricorn moon. So you don't know what that means. No. But I'm sure a lot of our listeners do. Sounds promising, I think. Very. For our listeners who are just getting to know you, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us what you do, how you got there. Cool. Your origin story. So the nucleus of my existence is that I am a born and raised New Yorker. I Hell am yeah. from Greenwich Village. We are a rare breed, a crop of unicorns. Very proud of that. It makes up everything that is important to me about my being. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm an actress by trade. I studied it for as long as I can remember and went to college for it. And then somewhere after that, in the past four and a half years, I took this curious little turn into being what the industry likes to describe as a digital content creator. Um, I am a comedian, so I like to make uh, content that is funny, but also makes you think in some sort of way. Um, I consider myself like any good New Yorker to be a bit of a cynic. So I think that, you know, when there was a lot of pressure for me to focus more on making like 60 second videos for Instagram and starting my podcast, I was like, okay, instead of adding to this like oversaturation of fluff, why don't we do something that's a little boundary pushing, a little envelope pushing. And, um, you know, as such, I've been described by plenty of people as crass and rude and taboo and dangerous and risky to work with and that's how i know that i'm doing my job correctly yeah that's lucky right it's fun <laughs> I, mean, I like it i'm I like anyone any, would talk about me like that anytime no, somebody doesn't want to work with me i'm like cool that means i'm doing my job <laughs> <laughs> anytime someone rejects a brand deal excellent i want to continue on this path so yeah i've been spending the past couple of years really making um content that's easy to digest short form but i'm hoping that in 2020 i'm going to go back to my roots and start doing some off-Broadway work, start doing indie films, something that's going to let me uh, do something that's a little bit more like longevity oriented and less like, what do you guys want to see? And let me make it for you right mm-hmm. now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I remember when I moved to LA in 2013, the, the I guess, quintessential um, Angelino was the actor model. Mm-hmm. And now it's like actor model influencer. Right. right? But <clears throat> maybe we don't even have, maybe it's just influencer. Yeah. I mean, there are people who, you know, graduate college and, or maybe even earlier, and they're like, yeah, I'm going to make a career being a digital content creator. Yeah. Creating my own brand as an influencer. Obviously, I mean, that was not a, a career option when I was graduating from college I didn't think astrologer was a career option either so like suffice it to say I know so suffice it to say it's like whatever no judgment it seems like it it really is quite a lucrative path for some yeah but something that I have observed is that it seems like uh it also is sort of this catch-all for people who 
want to pursue other things as well. You know, someone who is, I, I mean, just personalizing it for a moment, like I am an astrologer. And now suddenly here I am finding myself like buying backdrops to put around my apartment so that I can make video. And like, mm -hmm. obviously I have to do that. But like, it's also, I think, you know, I, I think it deserves a moment of pause and contemplation. Yeah. Because we have to be aware of how, what we, what our core values are, what we actually really want to do. Yeah. It's so easy to get just lost in this like, constant machine that just churns out I mean bullshit really so here's something that I've been thinking a lot about recently as you know there's a lot of pressure from um quote unquote authority figures in the industry saying there's a demand for constant content you need to think about quantity over quality people want more content and they want it now I don't know that that's true I think that not just people who work on, you know, management teams or agent teams, but anybody who's on the receiving end of the money that comes from having large audiences, they get money signs in their eyes. I think that our generation would have an easier time waiting around for better quality content if we forced them to wait around for better quality content. But instead, what we're doing is because we're all on the Internet 24 seven, looking at our phones, getting constant notifications, being so clued into what everybody else is doing all the time. We have kind of told ourselves that if we don't make something fresh and new and exciting every day or five days a week or whatever it is that we're going to fall behind. But I think that so much of that fear comes from this inhuman thing of like constantly being clued into what everybody else is doing. People didn't used to live like this. I mean, look, you and I met on the internet and like, that's an amazing thing, but like would, luckily we get along on a personal level. But like, if we, if, I mean, let's say we met and we didn't like each other and we didn't get along, but I was still looking at your stuff and you were still looking at my stuff. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, what would be the point of absorbing each other? And like, I think of how many people I absorb on a daily basis just from existing online. And I'm like, wow, imagine how much more space would be in my brain and how much slower my brain would run if I just threw my phone somewhere else and didn't look at it. And I guess my point in all of this rambling is like, I think that the more content we create, the more of a demand it's making with an audience for more and more and more content. And then because of that exchange, we have the higher ups who are supposedly in charge of the success of people like you and me telling us that if you don't buy backdrops to make videos in front of constantly, that for whatever reason, you're going to fall behind. But I don't think that that's true because ultimately you're a good astrologer. So if you continue to do good quality work, the people who are making lesser work are going to fall away. Right. I mean, I think that the, you know, I, we are people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's very easy to create low quality memes, right? Like you, and I think the whole nature, you know, the memetics of it all, like the, the, the inherent purpose of these is to be sort of repurposed, redistributed, disseminated, and quickly shared, right? That there is that you can, I mean, like memes have like, are like grainy and you can see the pixels in them, right? Yeah. And like, those are the ones that, have been the most widely circulated. This is not about quality at all. Yeah. But I think somewhere along the line, we're con we're starting to confuse us as people with memes. Yeah. And the pressure of creating content in the same we there's no possible way that we can create content 
I think that we are not, we're people, you know, and we, we should not have to be constantly creating, um, showing, or at least like showcasing our ingenuity through these like low budget, quick, all self-produced modes. I agree. And for people who are comfortable expressing themselves through those platforms, people who make memes, people who make, you know, gag YouTube videos where they're doing absolutely nothing and just filming themselves. That's fine. Like, let's say that those people, it's their only aspiration in life and they they can make that kind of thing and they can do it very well. That's amazing. Good for them. But I don't think that that should trickle into the lives of people who have specialties. I don't think that that should trickle into the life of someone who's an astrologer, somebody like myself who's an actor, someone who's a singer, someone who's a designer. Like, why is it that all of a sudden these people who have actual trades, actual skills are expected to be able to run an entire operation and and turn themselves into a brand without the aid of anybody else? You see what I'm saying? Like, there should be one niche of the entertainment industry where those people are expected to churn out videos every single day keep everyone updated on their lives. And that's their thing. They do it well. But that shouldn't mean that the rest of us have to follow suit. And what's really hilarious to me about like podcasting, for example, did you know that there's like no people don't understand podcasting and how it works? Like if you ask a quote unquote expert how to grow your podcast, they can give you a couple of tips that they've deduced through trial and error. But there is really no way to like hack the algorithm of podcast. No one has any idea. And that makes me think that a lot of people have no idea when they're talking about, you know, here's how to get success on the Internet. I think part of it is like understanding what culture wants, understanding what like a 13 year old boy wants to share with his friends or a 25 year old like recent college graduate wants to share with her friends and giving that to them. But a lot of it is also just like luck and being in the right place at the right time and having Instagram put your post on the popular page. And that's why I find it so horrifying on so many levels that the emphasis not only in the entertainment industry, but like for the consumer as well, that like you need to be posting fresh content all the time. You need to be wearing a particular outfit. You need to be in this place. You need to be doing that. I'm like, says who? Says who? Like I have very, very recently come into what I think is going to be a very punk phase of my life where I'm just (laughs) going to stop listening to like any and all authority figures because the truth is, Lisa, like I I don't trust anyone anymore. I really do not trust anybody who is telling me how I should do my job because the only person who understands first and foremost, most importantly, what makes me feel good, but also like what translates to my audience I'm the one who's built the relationship with my audience. So I should be telling an authority figure, here's what these people want. And, you know, without naming names or, or you know, giving too specific of examples, it, it has been implied to me on multiple occasions that my ticket to success is producing more, more, more of seriously less quality. But like, how is my audience going to react to getting more content that's just like shittier? And it's the same thing with your audience, I'd imagine. People expect that you're going to give them good information because you are a talented astrologer. So if all of a sudden you started phoning it in just because you wanted to make more, you would lose the trust that you worked so hard to build. So, yeah, I mean, I sound like a, a terrible, like 75 year old, like leftover New York Jew right now. I sound no, like no. I'm so I cynical, mean, but this is all I can think about recently. Well, let's let's go take a step back and think about how this how you began this journey in the first place, because as sort of as we noted, there's, you know, your aspiration is to be an actress. Yeah. Right? That is what you want to do. That is who how you identify yourself. Yeah. Um. So how did content creation even come up in the first place? You know, it's it, 
yeah, I, how did that how did that begin? And and what was I guess the goal in that was yeah. it to gain more visibility so that you would be able to find a better agency or so no I mean funnily enough I think in the very beginning like right after I graduated college I started really taking Instagram seriously my senior year of school and I, acting school is so rigorous that at the time I wasn't sure that I was cut out for it because basically what they tell you in like conservatory style programs is that. If you if you you know you you're an actor and you're a barista or you're an actor and you're a bartender like you cannot have other interests if you are quote unquote serious about acting this is all you can focus on and I was like well I, I do have other interests and I thought that that made me like an interesting multifaceted human being but guess not so I left school <laughs> and I was like okay I guess what I need to do is explore all of these other interests that I have so I I did I spent about two years exploring all of these other creative things that I thought I might be interested in for a career. And while I was doing that, I was food blogging when food blogging was cool. So I was like taking pictures of burgers and fries. But my thing was always putting like really sassy captions on them that were like also very hypersexual at the time. Like, sorry to my parents. What to deal with that? Um, but I, I did that because it was kind of what was hot and it was fun. And I think at the time also, like I was really getting my mental health in check. I was depressed. I was lazy. I was like, ugh, the idea of having to go out and like pound the pavement sounds terrible. I would much rather hide behind my phone screen and be able to build this audience without actually having to worry about going to an audition and, and being bad. And did you think that or were you not thinking or what what were you thinking about how you were going to um, pivot? Yeah. From what from food blogging or building. an audience. I didn't know I wanted to at the time. I thought that that was actually what I wanted to do. OK, so that you were committed that you were like, I'm going to build a business through influencer blogger content. Right. And through food specifically. But also, I think that, you know, for as strong and kind of bullheaded of a person as I am, I'm really such a show pony in the sense that I do look to other people to tell me what to do and how to best utilize my talents and put myself out into the world as I think any person who's been trained in stage acting, like you're nothing without a director. You're nothing without an ensemble. I mean, it's I really like my livelihood was dependent on having an audience telling me I was good and having some sort of quote unquote authority figure telling me how I I could best present myself. And, you know, I didn't I didn't really have that when I was in this weird phase of like, OK, I, I'm not acting anymore. I'm going to become an influencer. So then I started consulting people who saw that I was starting to build success within the influencer realm and were telling me, OK, do it more. More, 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 because it becomes all about money. And so I think that I kind of got shuttled into this lane that I didn't necessarily belong in, but I was so desperate for someone to tell me what to do. So then when I eventually fast forward, like two years did pivot into the kind of wellness space, which for the record, I only did because I did not want to isolate the audience that I had built through food. I was like, what's something that I could do where I can diversify myself, but not, not isolate all these people. So I chose wellness. And then the exact same thing happened again where it was like all these people were trying to push me into this lane where they were seeing that I was having momentum, despite the fact that I vocalized to all of these people through the years that ultimately what I wanted to do was be an actor. So I can't just blame the industry. Part of it is like I also have to blame myself and say that like I was sad. I was depressed. I was lost like a lot of people in their young 20s are. And I just kind of blindly followed the the instructions of people who I thought knew better than me because of what their job titles were. So it was never my intention to become a digital content creator. It just kind of happened to me. And then over the years, I was kind of engineered to believe that it would get me to where I wanted to go faster. 
But then, you know, the other harsh reality is that I haven't set foot on a stage in four years. Mm -hmm. If it hasn't been for like a speaking engagement on a panel. Four years I have not performed. And I call myself a theater actor because that's what I'm, I'm trained in. And so now I think that's part of the reason why I am feeling so like middle fingers in the air punk. Because I'm like, how the fuck do I reclaim myself? Am I allowed right. to curse on your show? Oh, yes. Sorry. Please. Okay. That's, yeah. that's kind of where I'm at. So, okay. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. So would you give it all up? Yes and no. I have gotten a lot of really amazing things from working so hard on the internet. Namely, people who have expressed to me that they would follow me back into live theater. Like I take polls and I try to be very personal about it. And it is kind of amazing that I have people all over America who are like, I would literally come to New York to watch your show. And I'm like, cool. These people have decided that they would spend money on a ticket to watch me because they like the videos that I make where I'm like getting my grandmother high. I'm like, that's pretty incredible, right? And I also think it's pretty incredible that like, look, I can't make any qualms about it. Like there are materialistic perks. Like I went to Fashion Week for the first time this year because major PR companies decided that I was worthy of sitting front row at fashion shows. That was really cool. But on the flip side of that, I was like, what the hell am I doing here? How, how have I earned this? Like there are a lot of things in my life that I'm very proud of, but there used to be a certain level of prestige that came with getting to go to like a dumb, frivolous, materialistic thing like Fashion Week. You used to have to be in like a hit TV show or be a movie star or be a musician. Someone found my Instagram was like, oh, this chick is really funny and I like her eyebrows. Let's put her front <laughs> row at a fashion show. So there's a part of me that's obviously stoked to be there. And there's a part of me that's also like something's wrong with this. So I have to say, no, I wouldn't give it up only because to lose these incredible people who have expressed that they'd follow me anywhere. If those if every single if if twenty three point five thousand people said that they would follow me to wherever I went next. Yeah, I'd shut the whole operation down. But if I had to give them all up in order to restart my life, I don't know that I could do that because on days where I feel not supported and not seen by anyone who's like supposedly on my team on a more administrative level, it's these people who watch my videos and send me messages on Instagram that like give me the strength to not only keep going, but to stay an artist who like has a soul and a vision and an opinion mm -hmm. and like a sense of self. So it's a hard question to answer. There are definitely days where if you asked me that, I'd be like, fuck yeah, I'd give it up. Like shut my account down right now, Russia. But like today, <laughs> today I'm thinking a little bit more logically and I'm like, as annoyed as it makes me, I understand that like there are things about this community that like I need in order to have the type of artistic life that I want. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that your the circumstances that you're in are ones that are very relatable for most people in their 20s and pre-Saturn return have found something a very uh, there's a commonality with a lot of creative people where they really want one thing but then they don't take the the actually the fastest route to it right they go through all of these other I have a friend who is also an aspiring I guess we should she's an actress mm -hmm. but she's aspiring for more roles in acting and she does all of these other like performance art projects or like meme takeovers and they're they're all tangential and she'll get some buzz about them but at the end of the day she's unhappy 
because it's not ultimately what she wants. Yeah. And it's so easy for me to be on the other side of it and be like, well, you're just kind of wasting right. your time. What are you, like, what are you like, doing? I, know, I understand that you're not busy, so these are ways that you're keeping yourself busy. But if you want to be on a television show, if you want to have, if you want to be, in this case, it was like Lisa Kudrow on Friends. Like, it's not going to, like, you doing a performance art piece in Rockefeller Center is not going to make a difference. Right. Right. You know, like, it's fucking awesome. It's but awesome, like, but it's a different it path. Get you there? For somebody who wants to create a legacy as, like, a guerrilla artist, that's exactly the right path, right? But yeah. that's not the path for somebody who wants to be in Hollywood for pilot week, you know? Yeah. It's different. Exactly. And for, for, I don't know, for anyone listening, I'm sure that your audience is like super liberal minded, but like, I think that for anyone who's listening to me talk and might be like, wow, this is like such a specific life path. That's kind of like disconnected from the ins and outs of like the reality of being in your young twenties. I would say that like the pressure that I'm getting from higher ups and like the directions that I'm being pulled in it's not dissimilar from like having parents who are forcing you into a career that like you don't want, but that they they want for you or that you or, thought you wanted. Exactly. Because you just were going along. with Exactly. The plan. Or like leaving college and taking the first job that's offered to you because there's money and there's stability and it and it looks good at the time. But then you work that job for one year and you're like, oh, my God, I can't come to this job for another day without wanting to just like off myself. You know, like I, I think that a lot of people in, in their young 20s have this. And I also think that we're living in this wildly contradictory time where like on the one hand, freelancers, especially your creative people are being told that they need to be all of these different people at once, that they need to have all of these different skills to turn themselves into a one person brand. But on the flip side, as you said, it's incredibly distracting to getting to where you actually want to go. But in the age of branding, you, you talk to someone and the first thing you ask is like, what do you do? What's your thing? Or if you're pitching yourself to a magazine or a TV network or a publisher, they ask you to summarize yourself in like one sentence. Isn't that wild that you're expected to be 17 different things at once? But then if you're pitching yourself, you're expected to have this ultra concrete brand of like one thing that your specialty is. I don't know how we're all not picking up our brains from the floor every single day trying to navigate this space. And this isn't just people like us who are content creators or who do work in entertainment, but like I'm sure that there's tremendous heat for for young people who are working more traditional nine to fives. Like, I think it's just our generation. It's just being a millennial. There's a reason why the term millennial burnout is being thrown around constantly, that I think older generations are like intrigued by the money making possibilities of youth, but like don't quite know how to like capitalize well, on us effectively. I think that we can use like the... the the rise and fall of WeWork as a perfect. Oh my God, my favorite story. <laughs> I'm obsessed. J'adore. <laughs> it is like the paradigm of the our, the our weird generation from an astrological perspective. It is that heavy Capricorn stellium um, with Neptune, Uranus, some of us with Saturn in there that basically is this push and pull of like, I want to innovate. I want to rebel, but then also like I want stability. I want money. I want power. Right. And like that is those become very contradictory things when we want to um, change the world and work from our standing desks and like roll around on Vespas or whatever yep. as we take pictures yep. of like the fucking I don't know, Tivoli Fountain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at, at the same time, we also are like, but I want a 401k mm-hmm. because I know that it's really important for me to have a retirement fund and insurance. Like 
what are you? Are you an artist? Are you a sellout? Yeah. Are you a square? Yeah. Like, I mean, in the past, it would have been, you know, it was like kind of like if you were taking a more bohemian life path, you were not going to be awarded the same sort of comforts and securities as somebody who went through corporate America. Right. And like that kind of was what the cost benefit was. It's like be an artist. You're not going to have as much stability or, you know, you're going to maybe have to go somewhere for 40, 50 hours a week, but you're going to have vacation. You're going to have a retirement. Maybe you'll have a pension. Yeah. But now it's like our generation wants all of all it. All of it. We want it all. But the fucking internet has told us that we are capable of having it all if we take the right photo and if we wear the right clothes and if we get on the right dating apps and meet the right person. It's I, I think constantly about how to break this cycle. And the only thing that I can think of is, you know, creatives kind of separating themselves from from this place of constant commodification and for people who work more traditional jobs that aren't as creative separating their, themselves from the desire for creativity and having that be a hobby or having that be a weekend activity yeah. or a side hustle like i would never ask someone to put themselves in a box anytime anyone's tried to put me in a box i have literally practically punched them in the face it's my least favorite thing but I do think that there's a big difference between putting yourself in a box and specificity, you know, having having a trade, having a life goal, having a path that you want to be on. And I just don't think that it's realistic for anyone to want to be everything for everybody or for someone to want to be everything for themselves. Like humans cannot succeed without community. And I went to Quaker school my entire life before going to college. And that was the number one thing that we were taught was the need to lean on people to get you to where you want to go and and to give back what you take from them. And now we're living in a culture that's all about self-reliance and independence. And it it makes me sad and it makes me sick. And it's really also strange that like, it seems like everyone's talking about this on social media and coming out and saying that they're anxious and they're depressed and they're burnt out. But like, it, it almost seems like that's even like another way to like get attention, you know? Oh, yeah, I or, mean, I think that I think that one of the things that um, I is the most to me, if I can sort of just like concentrate what I think the danger of it all is, is that we are all walking billboards mm -hmm. and we are not even uh, we don't even care about what we're endorsing anymore. Yeah. Like it was not that long ago where if you were an artist, a musician or an actress and you went to QVC or like a home shopping channel and you did a line for them, you would be called a sellout. Yeah. You know, now it's like we literally are like biting at the bit to sell out. Yeah. I think that's the expression. Biting yeah, yeah, at yeah. the Ch chomping, chomping at, at the, the bit. bit. Yeah. There we go. By, they're doing Biting, gnawing. chomping, swallowing, gnawing, tearing, <laughs> uh, sucking, <laughs> filleting, <laughs> all of that good stuff. No, but then, yeah, you're completely correct. And then what happens is that we're all clamoring to do that. But Another then great word. What, you're welcome. <laughs> um, I got inspired by looking at your book collection. Um, but yeah, it, we do that. And then what we do after we sell out is like forgot about forgotten about so quickly because we we live in a time that's new 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 more 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 i'm just like that this this concept of longevity is becoming antiquated and it's like why why is it that we're all dying for a collaboration or a partnership or a capsule collection or a clothing line or whatever it is why is it that we care about that so much why do we want to put our names on something so badly? because our generation has legitimized themselves through brands that is why. 
we've yeah. asso- we've our identity, identity we identify through brands it's uh it was growing up in the 90s it w- this is what happens even pre-internet this is what happens when you are watching commercials between your yeah. favorite shows for so long is that you become you i see yourself yeah. through the lens of brands and now we uh, in our coming of age years as adults are becoming the brands that we aspired oh to be. God, it was even like convincing your mom to like buy the right brand of cereal or like right. get the right sneakers when we were in school. It was like wearing and consuming the right. Right, thing. And I remember the first yeah. time that I wore something that was like a um, a knockoff product to school. And I I think I think it was like a Tiffany's bracelet or something yeah. that was not Tiffany's and how fast I was called out on that shit. And I didn't even I was just like, I a little heart yeah, I thought we were yeah, all doing yeah. this but okay it's right. not the right brand right that's not the brand and I became so aware of what brands I choose you know how I'm going to present myself through this world that I curate and create yeah and the brands also are the is, are the musicians which is the music labels and like you can follow up any of these ropes to the top and you have a lot of very very rich old white men executives up Mm -hmm. there but we have been sort of sucking the teat of it for our entire lives and we've gone from being the consumer to being the brand ourselves which is a wild journey while still of course being the consumer because we are the ones who can't fucking get off instagram right and we're the ones who are creating businesses off the heels of our peers on you know mark zuckerberg's like creepy stalking right exactly exactly like his paranoia and control issues are basically what cultivated this entire world that we live in of social media which now has been exploited to just become billboards i mean it's worse than times square but these are our friends who are wearing the product i know it's psycho and i mean i just i find this conversation like so inspiring and so stimulating on a creative level because i constantly think to myself like okay A lot of people are coming out and starting to talk about this, but how can I figure out how to talk about it in a way that's like genuinely enjoyable to talk about and and not preachy or or not self-serving? Because that's a very big thing. And I don't mean now, like, by the way, I'm like really enjoying having like a safe space to like have this conversation and not worry about like sounding like an asshole or having to like bite me tongue, bite Bite me tongue. (laughs) That's how you know I was living in London for a month, people bite me tongue. Um. So I find this kind of conversation so inspiring for my creative work because in what I do, not in this conversation, because I'm really enjoying the opportunity to just like be myself and like, because in my work, I'm, I'm really motivated to talk about this stuff and have these conversations that are kind of brutally honest and really uncomfortable, but do it in a way that's not contributing to the oversaturation problem or like is self-serving because I mean the nature of Instagram is to be self-serving but I keep thinking to myself there must be a way to have the the intensity of the conversation that we're having right now but do it in a way that's also funny and it's funny not just because I'm cracking jokes or because I'm putting myself in ridiculous situations oftentimes with my 85 year old grandmother but it it our culture is funny. Like we, this is literally the fucking apocalypse. You know, this is insane what we have to deal with. And oftentimes the moments that are the most painful are also the funniest. And I just think that it is like 
it's it's crazy. Like we're we're all living in a fun house where there's like a million mirrors that are showing a million different angles of ourselves in different shapes and sizes. And we have to navigate that every single day. And I don't think that it all needs to be so serious. Like I've really been enjoying how serious this conversation has been because I think this is an important topic. And I'm I'm just really enjoying also being able to talk about this without feeling the pressure to be funny. But on a larger scale with my work, I'm I'm constantly so surprised that people are like approaching the topics of depression and anxiety and existential crises and what's going on politically and in the world. Why does it all have to be so serious? Why can't we make light of the fact that everything is shitty? And I don't see a lot of people doing that. I well, see- I don't think a lot of people can. I mean, it's that's a skill in of itself. You know, yeah. if that's something that you have an ability to um, then then please go forth because I think that we do need to have a little bit of levity in this. I mean, my fucking Capricorn rising ass is not like I am so serious with this shit because I just like, you know, I feel it is imperative if there's any platform that we can use to talk about the truth of to, or just to be fucking self-aware. I mean, that is, um, that is why I started practicing astrology in the first place is because it was a, tool for self-awareness yeah. and now you know micro macro on this larger scale it's like you can apply we can apply the same um techniques and the same conditions to recognize like wow like shit's really fucked up yeah and we can point to certain planets and certain conjunctions and you know the orbits of different celestial bodies that represent things and i do because that's my work but it all you know when you take the vocabulary away from it it's like we are in a really bizarre unprecedented time right now yeah and we need to make sure that we are the only thing that is going to save us is being self-aware enough to identify that we are right and i think that for me a a lot of my self-awareness actually came through comedy and i mean this i could trace this back to when i was like eight or nine or ten and like started going through puberty so early and just like immediately kind of became outcasted and started seeing the world from a different angle but my way of really seeing myself and processing myself and then seeing the world and processing the world and also being able to be honest with myself i've always been a person who's very black and white and the options were like laugh or cry and i since the beginning of time have decided to go the comedy masks if you will yeah yeah (laughs) for real and you know i mean that that's always been yes definitely a coping mechanism for me but also a way to digest really tough big heavy subjects without crumbling underneath the weight of them and you know speaking of black and white like i said i i feel like that's the way that the world is operating now if we're talking about mental health it's so grim and it's so dark and we're talking about our struggles but then when you look at what comedians are talking about for the most part it's like dick and pussy and eating disorders and alcoholism. That's not to say that those things are definitely not very heavy, but it's presented in this way that's solely focused on the reaction that they can get and not so much talking about things in a conversational way, but also making it funny and making it relatable. And, And this is something that is really getting me out of bed in the morning right now is figuring out how do I walk this line? And what I'm hoping 
is I don't want to tell anyone else what to do. I hate when people tell me what to do. But I'm hoping that by carrying myself in this way where I'm like, all right, I can have these conversations, but I can also do it in a way that's entertaining for entertainment's sake. I'm hoping that maybe I inspire someone on a local level, someone who is struggling in, you know, living wherever they're living, but is struggling with mental health problems, maybe encourage them to not take everything so seriously or encourage people who also work in our industry who are having the same crippling self-doubt that I'm having right now about like, what the fuck path did I take and why am I here? Maybe me being so candid and honest about the messiness of everything and being able to laugh at it is going to inspire someone else to do the same. And, you know, going back to that kind of original thing I said about feeling as as a stage actor that you're no one without an audience. It used to be that I really got off on my numbers growing on Instagram. But now I'm really getting off on the audience being other people who are saying to me, your attitude about life is is trickling down to me. That's the kind of audience response I want. Not so much people commenting on my shit being like, oh my God, you look beautiful or like lightning bolt emoji. Right. You but know? you know, what's interesting is that like, this is also such a unique experience and expression of time because let's say this is 40 years ago and you're a stage actor and you are going to be entertaining to an, an audience every night. And maybe at the end, you're going to go and sign some playbills but you're not going to be followed by this audience. Mm-hmm. You're not going to continue to engage with them on the way that we do now because of social media. They're not going to have access to you like that. It, the audience is not the same audience, you know? It's, it, I, and I think that that is something that needs to really, I don't know, be addressed or noted is that we followers are not the same thing as fans. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, they're not the same people who are necessarily going to go to the theater and they're not the same people who are gonna uh I, I don't know who are going to really endorse your craft followers are a lot of the time robots yeah <laughs> robots are people who live in very far-flung locations you right, know who maybe would want to come see you but they can't can't so let me flip this and ask you a question like as somebody who also puts a lot of themselves on the line on social media where are your boundaries between sharing the amount that you need to share in order to develop like an authentic connection with your audience and where do you force yourself to step back and say I don't want to talk about that because I want to have a normal real-time relationship or normal real-time friendships or I want to be able to think about things other than astrology or do you think about things other than astrology or has your work permeated your pleasure time like where are those parameters for you I mean I'm sure um I'm sure that the people in my life would probably have a different answer than I do. I feel like because I have such a specific expertise um, and my business is centered around a practice that I have been able to separate um, my some aspects of my personal life from how I spend my time on the internet um, creating content. I also don't say... I don't really think of my the following that I have as like fans or even my audience per se. I think of it more as people who are interested in astrology. And that I think also is sort of this uh, creates a, a differentiation of how I communicate because I feel like it's more of my responsibility to like, you know, deliver information and share things because people are there to learn about astrology. Yeah. And of course, along the way, you know, I'm not, I'm also not like 
a robot and I have my own hot takes on things based on my own life and my own realities and my own conditions. And recently I've shared with people that um, my mom was re-diagnosed with cancer, that my grandma had to go into a nursing home, that I'm, you know, solely responsible for managing my family. Yeah. And I did that not just because I felt it was going to help um, people understand me a little bit more personally, but I did it out of necessity because I was not able to be as present on the internet and I needed people to understand what was going on in my life so that, you know, they knew that there was, there's a reason that I could not be posting every new moon or, you know, Mercury retrograde advice that there's also shit that I have to tend to that is just like really the hard stuff of life. Because you are a human and not a content creating robot. Right, exactly. And I think that that has been a pretty cataclysmic shift in the way that I will now allow myself to, um, to be a little bit more personal in those spaces. But this is a very recent thing for me. I think that I have always, you know, my approach has always been, I have really never wanted to be an influencer. So I have never really cared about participating in the world as an influencer. Yeah. I guess to like, to sort of, um, bring it, bring it all together. I guess you know my. Obviously, I uh, am aware of like you know I have this amount of followers. If in order to be taken seriously for these types of projects, I need X more amount of followers. I I know how this game works. I want opportunities. I also want money. Like I'm obsessed with money. Uh, I'm a Capricorn rising, so. I, I'm thinking of all of these things, but I also have tried to maintain my integrity along the way. And I'm I'm proud of that for myself because yeah. it's I think that it's helped me keep a perspective. You know, I also maybe it's out of just pure embarrassment, but like I do not feel comfortable with people taking pictures of me in public, like wearing ridiculous getups and tagging brands the same way I did not feel like comfortable with people taking pictures of me in front of the Eiffel Tower when I was in Paris because yeah. I was like I'm not a tourist that's embarrassing yeah, yeah so yeah. like it's you know maybe it's my own pride that sort of has prevented me from going full in but I'm definitely have never identified as an influencer I would never identify as an influencer and if people continue to enjoy and support the work that I create which hopefully can take on you know as is is astrology is expansive the spiritual community is expansive my thoughts are expansive then people will also realize that like you know it go I guess taking it full circle it's the quality that is most important to yeah me. and I think that that's something that you have that I don't you you have a wall and not a wall that's isolating a, a wall that's beautiful because you you have a skill you have a practice you have a trade you have something that puts a divide between you as a as a fragile human figuring it out and this group of people who who want something from you. I do see myself as having a trade because underneath all these this this layer of, you know, shock jockness and whatever it is that I do on the internet, I I train to basically become someone else for a living and I'm looking forward to being able to lose myself inside other characters who are not me this coming year because I have built my entire career based on me or the public perception of me 
And probably the proudest achievement that I have is that I have put forth an extremely authentic version of myself. What you see is really what you get. I mean, I'm not constantly drinking and smoking weed and, you know, wreaking havoc in my neighborhood. There are times where I'm definitely lower key. But in terms of the types of person that you might imagine I, I, I would be from looking at my Instagram, I like to think that that's very much who I am. But there's a cost that comes with that. And that's like I'm tired all the time. And there's a lot of pressure that comes with that because I feel as though I need to be operating at peak me. Yeah. And then I that's am my scary work. because any time that you are presented with a no, it's a no on you. Exactly. And not a no on my work because right now I am my work. And I am really looking forward to being able to go into a room and read to be a different person that sure I'm bringing components of myself and my life to but the character has a different name and a different worldview and if they don't like me for that character fine because it's a character that they're casting for but right now when I get rejected and of course it happens I take it so personally because I am the face and sound and ideas of my work and there are some people who love that and really get off on that but for such an extroverted person I really enjoy having something to hide behind. And right now I feel like I'm constantly vulnerable and kind of naked to a certain degree right. and to the you, world. If you, if this was 40 years ago and you were pursuing a more traditional um, route into theater or film or television, you would be able to be yourself. Yeah. And you'd have your characters. Yeah. So we'll see. But I also think a big thing for me is like coming on a, a show like this and talking candidly about like not having anything figured out. I used to be petrified of admitting that I didn't have anything figured out. I really liked the fact that people saw me as this very confident, put together, manicured person because it allowed me to deal with all my shit in private. But I don't I don't want anyone anymore to see me as knowing something that they don't. I would like people to see me as an equal peer who's just had a lot of therapy. You know, I've had a lot of fucking therapy, like classic New York Jew. I've had enough therapy to be able to speak about these things in a way that's like eloquent because I've thought about it a lot. But that doesn't mean that like behind closed doors, I know what I'm doing. I'm just like any other 26 year old person who's changed careers a bunch of times and gotten bored and gotten sad and felt lost and has looked to other people to tell them what they should be doing with themselves. That is absolutely me, except I've sometimes been doing that under like the hot lights of a film set for like major networks, you know, but it's it, the stuff that I'm dealing with inside is is exactly the same. And I just I also hope that, you know, in some capacity, me talking about this will make people feel OK to like take the reins in their own life and make the scary decision of telling authority figures who claim to know better, like leave me be like, let me take control of my own life again. And I also wonder how many people who are in like the influencer industry secretly want to give it all up the way that you asked. secretly would love the, the, the opportunity to be like, let's flush all my past work down the toilet and just kind of start fresh and, and I can steer my own life. So I don't know. Those are. Yeah. I, I mean, 26 is so young and I, when and I feel I, ancient when I was 26, I mean, I was definitely working as a waitress. I was definitely running a line, my astrology company. But I definitely had not completely run out of money yet. That was going to come the next year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I was going to have to come back to New York with my tail between my legs and start all over again as an administrative assistant as a, at a hedge fund all over again and have no idea what I was going to do. Yeah. And that was... Uh, you know, the 
three, four years ago. The rate of growth is so unprecedented and so exponential. Like where you are today is going to not be at all where you are in a year, two years, completely different story. By the time you're 30, different person altogether. Yeah. So it's, it's also just life. It's just timing and allowing um, things to play out and, and trust that the failures of our 20s are actually all like, like information for our successes yeah. of our 30s. And learning how to enjoy this time too and enjoy the little things. I'm never going to be this young again. You're not. And I'm never, I mean, hopefully I have more awesome experiences that come to me as, you know, a result of my hard work, but like kind of being in this weird place of having these opportunities, but also having no idea what I'm doing. It's, it's kind of weirdly masochistically fun to be in this position of kind of wading through the shit. All right. Amazing. Um, so where can we find you? So you can find me on my podcast, Health is Hell, causing all sorts of problems. That is available anywhere you get your podcast, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at Health is Hell. And chances are, if you live in New York, you can find me wandering the streets at odd hours. And that's really? probably the best time to find me. What yeah. kind of, what hour? Really early or really late. Those are my peak creative times. Same so with I me. like going for walks when the, the world is still. So before like normal sane of mind people go to work and after everyone has gone home to watch Netflix. And I've actually had a lot of people who have seen me like in the strand wandering the aisles looking for books or just like on random avenues. And I like my uh, my interactions with quote unquote fans to be at that at that time because I'm like, you're really getting like raw me. So everyone uh, look out for the Allie Weiss ghost. Yes, come wander the streets with me. We She's have haunting fun. them. I am. And I, I, <laughs> I, I haunt everywhere. My, my spirit is everywhere. I think that that is the title of this podcast. I, I haunt, haunt everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was fun. <laughs>